Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we continue our stories about Subramanyam from Kachipa Shivacharya's Sri Kanda Puranam. Up to this point, we've seen how Subramanyam was created from sparks that flew from the eyes of Shiva in order to rid the universe of the demon Surapadman. He was raised by the six Kritika girls and then combined into one young boy who caused all sorts of mischief growing up in the Himalayas. Now, as a young man, he was immensely attractive. When Vishnu came to see Subramanyam, he was so overwhelmed at the power and beauty of Shiva's child that he shed two tears. As they fell on the ground, they turned into two girls, Amritavali and Sundaravali. And, as is often the case with divine birth, they emerged fully grown and immediately decided that Subramanyam was just the guy for them. Ultimately, he agreed to marry them both, but not just yet. He wanted Amritavali to be born as Indra's daughter, and for Sundaravali to be born as the daughter of Shivamuni, who lived on earth. So Amritavali changed herself into a small child and went to Indra, saying, I was born as the daughter of Vishnu, but I want you to bring me up. Indra, the king of the gods, was quite honored and accepted her request and handed her off to his elephant, Iravata, to help bring her up. Iravata took her off to Amaravati, Indra's city, where he took such good care of her that she was named Devyayani, which means she who has been raised by an elephant. But before any weddings could take place, Subramanyam had to get busy to take care of the demons, Surapadman and his brother Tarakan. He assembled his army, and all the devas came to wish them off. But before they set off, Narada Rishi went up to Subramanyam and said that Tarakan had once battled Vishnu, but Vishnu was unable to defeat him, and Tarakan had even taken Vishnu's weapon, the Sudarshana Chakra. Narada suggested that if he could defeat Tarakan first, then Surapadman would be no trouble. Well, apparently Tarakan had some spies, and he was ready and waiting for Subramanyam and his army when they reached the gates of Tarakan city. So a fierce battle ensued with the sides pretty evenly matched. It's interesting to note that, as is usual in these stories, the gods are not able to simply march in and clean up with no fight. And remember that the stories as a living mythology, in order to be relevant, must match our own experience of life in which good never seems to triumph over evil very easily, and some would say only occasionally. The gods have to work very hard for their victories. In this case, Tarakan was fighting one of Subramanyam's generals by the name of Virabahu. He sent astras, spiritual mantra-based weapons, against him and split himself into four parts and fought them all at the same time. The demon taunted Virabahu by showing him that he had even managed to steal Vishnu's weapon, the Sudarshana Chakra. And each time Virabahu attacked the demon, he was able to counter it, and it was not looking so good for the devas. But after a last-ditch effort with a special astra, Virabahu managed to take chase Taraka back into his t- town of Kraunchanagiri, but Taraka had placed the city under the spell of a powerful mantra, 
And as soon as Virabahu entered the city, everything turned to darkness and Virabahu fell down in a faint. When he didn't return for some time, his army came, became concerned and decided to enter the city as well. But they too were overcome by the mantra's power and fell unconscious. Seeing this, Tarka sprang into action and attacked the now woefully outmanned Davis. Indra ran to find Subramanyam and explained that the situation was indeed pretty bad. Subramanyam started toward the Asuras, and Vayu, the god of wind, who was serving as Subramanyam's charioteer, made the chariot fly. As they reached Taraka, they saw both sides lined up ready to fight, but not yet engaged in battle. Taraka looked at Subramanyam as he approached and said to him, why is it that you are here to fight me? I have nothing against Lord Shiva. Taraka, I have nothing against you either, said Subramanyam, but you've been giving too much trouble to the devas. On the other hand, if you promise me that you will refrain from any future evil deeds, I will let you go. Taraka was not impressed by Subramanyam, who must have appeared to be a rather rash young man to be threatening such a fierce demon as he. You do not know who I am. You should check with Vishnu first to learn of my strength and power. Indeed, Subramanyam was not impressed with Taraka and replied, Well, I can clearly see Vishnu's chakra hanging around your neck, but beware of my vel, which is a kind of spear, for it's made of a, of a piece of the sun, just as is Vishnu's chakra. You have no power over me. You have to remember that Subramanyam and Mars are essentially the same energy and nothing motivates a person with a lot of Mars more than a challenge. So Taraka had made a rather grave error. He started to shoot arrows at Subramanyam who responded with arrows of his own. But Taraka had underestimated Subramanyam who was able to send so many arrows at once that as the text says, the chariot of Taraka was reduced to dust, and Taraka himself lay on the ground with a thousand arrows in his forehead. His armor was shattered, and blood flowed from his wounds. But after some time, Taraka recovered, and was amazed that he could not fight against Subramanyam. He decided to use all the astras, the mantra-based weapons that he could, against him, but each time the weapon was invoked and sent forth, it would simply circle Subramanyam and turn into a flower that fell at his feet. So Taraka invoked Kaunchanagiri, who possessed great magical skills. Kaunchanagiri took the form of three huge stone forts in the sky, and they were going to land on the devas, crushing them under their weight. But Subramanyam sent up just one of his arrows, and the forts were immediately turned to ash, which simply drifted away in the wind. Then Kaunchanagiri turned into a vast thunderstorm, bristling with thunder and lightning so fierce that all of creation shook. But it was to no avail. Then Kaunchanagiri turned into a fierce wind, and Taraka appeared as a massive column of fire. Over and over, the demons assumed fierce forms, which caused much panic among the devas. But finally Subramanyam took his veil and gave it a command. Let Kaunchanagiri be broken into pieces and Taraka be torn apart. 
Lavelle began to emit fierce sparks all around, and after some time both Kanchanagiri and Taraka were torn to pieces. Then Subramanyam, his army, and all the devas were on the march again, going to find Taraka's brother Surapadman. In the meantime, Taraka's wife and son reached the battlefield and saw their beloved lying motionless on the battlefield. Neither could believe that he had been defeated, but it was true, and they performed the appropriate funeral rites, and then they too set off to see Surapadman. But when Taraka's wife and son told Surapadman what had happened, he refused to believe them saying, how could some mere boy kill Taraka, who has been a terror for the devas for so many years? He had all the protective boons and weapons he could possibly need, and yet he has fallen. How could this be possible? Well, Surapadman raged around his palace and worked himself up into quite a fury. And as he was ready to rush into attack, one of his ministers suggested that perhaps they might want to be a little bit conscious and send out some spies to see what they were up against. Well, with the loss of his brother still fresh in his mind, Surapadman agreed, and the spies were sent off. At this point, the narrative in the original take, text takes a bit of a detour to tell a few stories and then narrates the story of Surapadman's birth. There was once a sage by the name of Brungi, who was very strong and focused devotee of Shiva. He was constantly thinking about Shiva, repeating Shiva mantras and performing Shiva pujas. But he never thought about Parvati, Shiva's wife. Well, eventually she brought this to Shiva's attention and begged him to go correct Brungi. At a temple, a gesture of honor and respect to the deity is to do pradakshina to walk around the deity three times. So the next morning, Shiva appeared before Brungi, who was clearly delighted to see the object of his long devotions. But standing with Shiva was Parvati, her arm affectionately draped over Shiva's shoulder. So Brungi turned himself into a bee and flew around Shiva three times, passing through the tiniest gap between Shiva and Parvati. Understandably, Parvati's feelings were hurt, but before she could say anything to Shiva, he assumed the form of Ardhanarishwara, in which Shiva is male on one half of his body and female on the other, the perfect blending of Shiva and Parvati. Brungi saw the point, and from that moment on, included Parvati in his devotions. One of the great sages in the Vedic tradition is Parashara, and he had six sons, Tata, Ananta, Nandi, Chaturmuka, Chakrapani, and Mali. Now they were all sitting deep in meditation in the city of Tiruparankaram, and as Subramanyam arrived, he inquired why they were doing this, as it was rare to see so many important saints in one place. Well, Indra explained to Subramanyam that when they were young boys, they were playing on the banks of the Saravana lake from which Subramanyam emerged. But being young boys, they were amusing themselves by swimming in the water, catching fish and throwing them up on the banks of the lake. A saint was passing by and became upset at this mistreatment of the fish and cursed the boys to live in the, as fish in the lake. 
Understandably, the boys were rather upset at this, and they begged the sage to relent. But the sage explained that once a curse is spoken, it cannot be taken back, although he allowed that the curse would be broken when Subramanium was born in that lake. So when his mother nurses him, and a few drops of her breast milk mix with the lake water, only then will you be released from your lives as fish. So, related Indra, they have been here meditating until you returned, so they could rejoin you. Now, in this little story, we find much of the essence of the Vedic perspective on life, presented in a very compact and charming form. Young boys swimming and playing and tormenting fish, what could be more natural, and I say this as father of two boys, even though they are the children of a great sage and should know better. But just like that, regardless of our birth, we all do stupid little things in the course of living our lives. And I think the mistake we tend to make, the most serious mistake, is to be insensitive to the effects that our actions have on others. The boys were simply being careless, insensitive to the consequences that their play had on the lives of the fish, who flopping about frantically on the, on the banks of the lake. Well, along comes the sage, who is really representing karma, the force of nature, that causes us to see, to experience, and to realize the effects of our actions and that they have on others. And the next thing they know, the boys have been turned to fish. From an astrological perspective, here comes Saturn, the agent of karma, to slap some serious limitation on us until we wise up. So the boys have to become fish to understand and appreciate the other side of the coin. And Saturn, when he delivers his lessons, certainly doesn't fool around. There's no mere slap on the wrist is enough, and there's no one to say, Now, boys, be nice to the fish. We have freedom to go ahead and do what we do, only to suffer the full consequences later. So implicit in this story is the warning to be careful what you do, but all is not lost. The universe is full of forgiveness, and it is when we taste the milk of forgiveness that all is restored to normal. In the story, Parvati feeds her young boy in the process frees, and in the process frees the fish. Perhaps the symbology is to remind us that mistakes are easy to make and that they're redeemed through forgiveness, and in the process we may benefit more than what we are specifically aware of. Parvati was simply feeding her son, and yet at the same time, she restored these boys to their normal form. When we forgive ourselves and forgive others, the universe is restored to its normal balance. Now back to the story of Surapadman. Once there was a sage by the name of Kashyapa, who had originally created hundreds of thousands of Asuras. But over the years, the Devas had succeeded in killing most of them. Shukracharya, the guru of the demons, took the daughter of the demon's leader aside and taught her all his secrets of magic. Her name was Surasi. And she was exceedingly beautiful. Shukracharya told her that she was to go find Kashyapa and have children with him in order to save the Asuras. So off she went to Mount Meru, where Kashyapa was deep in meditation. Approaching his simple hut, she used her magic and converted the area into a beautiful garden with plants and flowers, singing birds and all the smells of springtime. 
Kashyapa stirred from his meditation and wondered what was happening and whether it portended something good or evil. But then he saw Surasai and all was forgotten. Oh my, he said, who are you, beautiful girl? Why are you here? Surasai, who had a profound understanding of male psychology, said, Oh, sage, have you forgotten your status? You are an ascetic. What could a man as great as you want with a simple girl like me? You should return to your meditations. And I suspect she may have battered her eyelashes a bit at this point. Oh, sweet girl, said the clueless Rishi, we do austerities to get what we want. I have prayed so long in order to get you, and at last you are here. Please stay here with me so that I may live happily. Surasai replied sweetly, Why do you tell me lies? Were you really just sitting in meditation for my sake? Indeed I was, protested the sage. I meditated with a desire to get you only. That is why I have been able to see you. Well, she said, I was on my way to the sacred Ganges to bathe. Please do not stop me. Ha! Sacred rivers, he said. If you want sacred rivers, I can get them all here instantly for you, if that is what you desire. Now please, let us return to my home. But Surasai simply ran away. The sage could not find her, even though he looked everywhere. Finally, he stood outside his small hut, exhausted. And then, from around the corner, she appeared. He was absolutely delighted to see her. Oh, dear girl, at last you have come. Quickly, let us go in now. And he took her elbow as if to guide her into his home. But she stopped him, knowing that she was now in command. Sage, you have what you desire. But you are a smelly old man who lives in a hut. Kindly transform yourself into someone who matches my own beauty, and I will take care of the rest. He did as she requested, and then she created a beautiful mansion with her magic, and took the now youthful sage into her rooms. That evening she conceived a son who was Surapadman, and from the sweat of their bodies came thirty thousand Ashuras. After some rest she took him to another place, where they assumed the form of lions, and a new demon was born of their passion. He was known as Simhamukasuran, and he had one thousand faces and ten thousand arms. From their sweat again, forty thousand Ashuras, all with lion faces, were born. So great was Kashyapa's power that she had still not diminished him. So off they went to a newly created palace. Once again from their passions arose a new demon. This time it was Tarakshura, who had an elephant's face and four tusks. And again from their sweat arose forty thousand demons, all of whom had elephant heads. Then Surasai took the form of a goat, and they mated once again. The result was a, guru, a girl with the face of a goat called Ajamuki, and from their sweat another thirty thousand Ashuras were born. This continued all night with more and more Ashuras being created in the form of Yali, tiger, horse, deer, cow, bear, pig, etc. Sixty thousand additional Asuras were created from their sweat. Finally, when morning came, Kashyapa and Surasai re 
resumed their original forms and looked with pride at their three sons, a daughter, and all those Asuras that came from their sweat. Kashyapa stood before all his children, as odd as they were, and addressed them, saying, My dear children, those who are endowed with wisdom will always meditate on God. They will sincerely pursue liberation through good thoughts and good actions. You should never cause harm to anyone, otherwise your meditations will be of no avail. If you do harm to others, you will be caught in the web of birth and death, from which it is exceedingly difficult to escape. Let me explain by telling you a story. And that story is where we will begin the next podcast. For now, we are going to first hear the Ardhanari Shura Stotram, which is about the form of Shiva that is half male and half female. And then we'll hear the Subramanya Suprabhadam, the sloka that is sung in the morning as a Subramanya temple is first opened to wake up the deity and to start the new day. And that'll be all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Kripasmaraya, Kripasmaraya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Janatwanakanganupuraya, Padadaraja, Padinupuraya, Evangadaya, Jabujangadaya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Vishalani, Lord Padalojanaya, Vikasipanke, Ruhalojanaya, Samekshanaya, Vishamekshanaya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Mandaramala, Kalitalakaya, Kabalamala, Gitagandaraya, Vidyambaraya, Tadigambaraya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Ambrodarasya, Marakuntalaya, Taditrabhatam, Rajatabaraya, Vivishwaraya, Nikhileshwaraya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Prabhanjasrityunmukhalasyakaya, Samattasamharakatandavaya, Jagajjananya, Jagatekapitre, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Pradeetaraknosvalakundalaya, Puranmahapannakabhushanaya, Shivanvitaya, Shivanvitaya, Namashivaya, Janamashivaya, Etatpate, Dattakamitradamyo, Bhaktyasamanyo, Hubidirgajivi, Rapnoti, Saubhadya, Manantakalam, Bhuyat, Sadatasya, Samastra, Siddhihi. Shadvatra 
ಶ್ರುತಿ ಸಂಸ್ಥುತ ಉತ್ತಿಷ್ಠ ಸರ್ವದೇವೇಶ ತ್ರೈಲೋಕ್ಯಂ ಮಂಗಳಂ ಕುರು ಸುಪ್ರಾತವಸ್ತು ಶಶಿಚೂಡತನೂಭವಾಯ ಸುಪ್ರಾತವಸ್ತು ಶರಣಾಗತವತ್ಸಲಾಯ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಶರದಿಂದು ಸಮಾನಯ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಚ ಅಮರೇಂದ್ರ ಸುತಾಪಿಯಾಯೇ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಅಸುರಶೂರ ಕುಲಾಂತಕಾಯ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಚ ಮಲಾಪಹ ದಿವ್ಯ ನಾಮ್ನೆ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಶರಶಕ್ತಿಧನೂರ್ಧರಾಯ ಸುಪ್ರಾತಮಸ್ತು ಶರಸಂಭವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಶ್ರೀವೇದ ಸೂಕ್ತ ಸಕಲಾಗಮ ಮಂತ್ರೂಪ ಶ್ರೀಕಾರ್ತಿಕೇಯ ಕಮಲಾನನ ತಾರಕಾರೆ ಶ್ರೀ ಸಿಂಧು ತೀರ ವಿಲಸತ್ಸು ಗುಹಾ ನಿವಾಸ ಶ್ರೀಗಂಧಮಾದನ ಪತೇತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಷಟ್ಕೋಣ ಮಧ್ಯ ವಿಲಸತ್ ಪ್ರಣವ ಸ್ವರೂಪ ಷಡ್ಭಾವನಾಶಕ ಷಡಾನನ ಷಟ್ಕಿರೀಟ ಷಷ್ಟಿವ್ರತ ಪ್ರಿಯ ಸುಮಂಗಳ ದಿವ್ಯ ಮೂರ್ತೆ ಶ್ರೀಗಂಧಮಾನನ ಪತೆ ತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಶ್ರೀಸ್ಕಂದ ಪುಷ್ಕರಿಣಿ ಕಾಶುಭತೋಯ ಭೂತಾಹ ಶ್ರೀಭಸ್ಮರುದ್ರಮಣಿಭೂಷಿತ ದಿವ್ಯ ಗಾತ್ರತ್ಸನ್ನಿಧೌ ಪ್ರತಿದಿನ ಪ್ರವಿಶಂತಿ ಭಕ್ತ ಶ್ರೀಗಂಧಮಾದನ ಪತೆ ತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಶ್ರೀಕುಂಭಸಂಭವ ಶುಕ ಪ್ರಮುಖ ಮುನೀಂದ್ರ ಶ್ರೀಪಾರಿಜಾತಕುಸುಮಿ ಕರೆ ಗೃಹೀತ್ವಾ ಶ್ರೀಪಾದಪದ್ಮಯಂ ಸದಾರ್ಚಯಂತಿ ಶ್ರೀಗಂಧಮಾದನ ಪತೆ ತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಶ್ರೀಬ್ರಹ್ಮವಿಷ್ಣುಸುರನಾಯಕ ದೇವಮುಖ್ಯ ಪ್ರತಿದಿನ ನಿಗಮಾಗಮಗ್ಯಗಂಧಮಾದನ ಪತೆ ತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ ಸರ್ವಾಧಕ ಜಯಂತೀಪುರಿ ನಿವಾಸ ವಿಪ್ರೇಂದ್ರವರ್ಯ ಗಣಭಕ್ತಗಣ ಮಹಾಂತ ತ್ವತ್ಸನ್ನಿಧೌ ಪ್ರತಿದಿನ ನಿವಸಂತಿ ಶ್ರೀಗಂಧಮಾದನ ಪತೆ ತವ ಸುಪ್ರಭಾತ 
ಶರಸಂಭವತಿ ಕರುಣಾ ಪ್ರಥಿತ ವಿಧಿಶಂಕರ ವಿಷ್ಣು ಮುಖೈರ್ವಿದಿತ ಕರುಣಾಲವ ಭಾಗ್ಯತಿ ಕಚಿದ ಹೋ ಮನುಜೈ ಸಕಲೈರ್ನಿಯತ ಶಿವತಾತ ಗಿರಾಶ್ರುತಿ ತತ್ಪರತಾವತ ಸಕಲೈರ್ವಿಧಿ ತೋಹಿ ಭವ ಸುಫಲಾಶ ಫಲಾಶ ಸವೈ ಪ್ರಥಮ ಹುತ ಭೋಜಿ ಮುಖಾಂತ ಮಹೋ ಕೃತವ ಕಲಿತ ಕಲಿತ ಕಲುಷಂ ಸಕಲ ಶರಸಂಭವ ಹಂತು ಮಹೋ ಭಗವನ್ ಶರಜನ್ಮ ಭವಾನ್ ಗತವಾನ್ ವದಿಮನ್ ಶರದಿಂದು ಸಮಾನ ಮುಖಾಂಬುರು ಶಿವನಿಂದನ ಸುಸ್ರವತೋ ವಿಬುಧ ತಿಜೈರಕುರೂಪಧರೈರ್ವಿನುತಾಹಾಪ್ಯಮರಭ ಸುಹಿತ ವಿಹಿತ ನಿಯತ ವಿಧಿನಾವತ ಶಿಶುತ ವಿಹಿತ ಪರದಾನ ಮದಾನ್ ಮಮತಾ ಜನಿತ ಪ್ರಣವಾರ್ಥಕೃತೆನರ್ ನಿಜ ವೀರವರೈ ಸಿಧಿಮಿತ ಮುನಿಭಿ ಪರಿವಾರಿತ ಭೋ ಭಗವನ್ ಶಬರಾಗಜಯಾಸುರಾಕ್ಷುತೆಯ ಸಹಸಾನಯ ಸಹಭಾತಿ ಭವಾನ್ ಶಿಖಿವಾಹನ ಷಣ್ಮುಖ ಸರ್ವಗುರೋ ಶರಣಾಗತ ಮಾಧುರಮಿಜಿತ ಕರುಣಾಕರ ಕಾಮದ ಕಾಮಹತ ಶರಕಾನನ ಸಂಭವ ಚಾರು ರುಚೆ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಶರದಿಂದು ಸಮಾನ ಷಡಾನಯ ಸರಸೀರು ಚಾರು ವಿಲೋಚನೆಯ ನಿರುಪಾಧಿಕಯ ನಿಜ ಬಾಲತಯ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಮಾಸಾರಸಮುದ್ಭವ ಹೈಮವತಿ ಕರಪಲ್ಲವಲಾಲಿತಕಮೃತನೋ ಮುರವೈರಿ ವಿರಿಂಚಿ ಮುದಾಂಬು ನಿಧೆ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಗಿರಿಜಾಸುತ ಸಾಯಕ ಭಿನ್ನ ಗಿರೆ ಸುರಸಿಂಧುತನೂಜ ಸುವರ್ಣ ರುಚೇ ಶಿಖಿವಾಹ ಶಿಖಾವಲ ದೇವನಮೋ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಮಾಂ ಪರಿತೋ ಭವಮೇ ಪುರತೋ ಭವಮೇ ಪತಿ ಮೇ ಸತತ ಗುಹರಕ್ಷಕ ಮಾಂ ಪಿತರಾಜಿಷು ಮೇ ವಿಜಯ ಪರಿತ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಮಾಂ ಜಯ ವಿಪ್ರಜನ ಪ್ರಿಯ ವೀರ ನಮೋ ಜಯ ಭಕ್ತ ಪರಾಯಣ ಭದ್ರ ನಮೋ ಜಯ ಶಾಖ ವಿಶಾಖ ಕುಮಾರ ನಮೋ ಪರಿಪಾಲಯ ತಾರಕ ಮಾರಕ ಮಾಂ ಏಕಂ ಪಕ್ಷದ್ವಯ ಸಾಕ್ಷಾತ್ರಿಮೂರ್ತಿ ಚತುಷ್ಫಲ ಪಂಚಸ್ಕಂದ ಸಪ್ತಸ್ತ್ವತ್ಪರಿಪೂರಿತ ಅಷ್ಟಪುಷ್ಪ ನವಾಕ್ಷ 
ಪ್ರಯಾಂತಿ ಗುಹಸನ್ನಿಧೌ 